You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 25th, 2018. My name is Phil Prosperenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy to be with you here on today's show. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at OMD. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk all about the center's on the Orlando Magic as we continue our player evaluations. Not a whole lot to get to on today's show, but there is one little news item that I do want to get to and discuss just very briefly as we begin today's show. The Sports Business Journal came out with uh, their regular review of uh, NBA TV ratings. And unsurprisingly, the Orlando Magic had the second lowest local TV rating in the entire NBA. This is unsurprising because this has continued a general trend with the Magic over the last few years. And at the last check that I noted uh, on on the side, at least at the All-Star break last year, uh, the Magic were among the worst two and had seen the, the sharpest decline in TV ratings over the course of the year and over the course of, of the season over season. Um, that's to be expected. This year's rating, a 0.48 rating, which essentially means that the Magic were on, at, on 0.48% of local households. Uh, the Magic aren't being watched by a lot of people. And who could blame them right now? Uh, this is not this is not particularly news. It's not particularly unexpected. Uh, Alex Martins has said in the past when asked about low TV ratings or asked about low interest that TV ratings typically align with how well a team is doing. In fact, you look at the teams at the bottom, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Utah Jazz are the only two teams that were not included in the study because the data wasn't there. But you look at the teams at the bottom, it's the Magic, the Hawks, the Mavericks, the Brooklyn Nets, and surprisingly, the only big surprise, the Los Angeles Clippers. So, no surprise that the Magic are down near the bottom of TV ratings. This isn't an indictment of the job that David Steele and Jeff Turner do. I personally think, and I say this maybe with some bias and uh, I think they're they're two of the be- they're, they've got one of the best local TV broadcasts in the entire NBA. I know some people have some disagreements with Jeff Turner and, and the way he presents things, but um, no, this is no indictment of them. This is simply an indictment of the team and the interest in watching them play. And again, there are times that even I would say this season, why am I even watching this game? Why am I taking the time out of my day to watch this team play? So if you're a casual fan, if you don't have to cover this team for a living. I certainly can understand why you might tune out. But as and, and I, I think as I noted in my conversation last week with Xander Peters of Orlando Weekly, to me that doesn't necessarily mean Magic fandom is in a bad place. It, it, it's certainly not encouraging, and I think I noted it to him at the time. You know, we don't know what the TV ratings are, but I, I imagine they're not very good. Uh, but there are other indications that the Magic are doing okay. That, that, that This isn't a complete indictment. This is just something that's expected. Something that, while not good, and certainly the Magic saw another big decrease, percent decrease, 25% drop in TV, rating, TV ratings numbers over last year. Well, certainly that is not encouraging and that is not good by any stretch of the imagination. The Magic have plenty of other indis- indicia to suggest that they're doing okay business-wise. Um, we know that there was that report earlier in the year that said the Magic uh, took the most money out of uh, the revenue sharing, or, or one of the more one of the larger amounts out of revenue sharing. So certainly, 
they're, they're not doing great business-wise, although I think uh, there, there are other indications to show that they are. Attendance is up at the Amway Center, believe it or not. This year, according to Basketball Reference, the Magic had 734,531 total fans in the building for the 41 home games. As I noted previously, I think I noted this uh, when I talked about it on the podcast, the Magic averaged about 93% capacity, percent of their capacity, at least in announced attendance, whether, uh, whether that's the gate attendance. The gate attendance is usually much lower. But last year, according to Basketball Reference as well, Magic had 727,875 fans. So Magic brought in about six and a half, seven thousand more fans into the building. And I will fully admit that I think those numbers are legitimate. I think that while the 90% number I think is a little on the high side, it's it's announced attendance, not actual gate attendance. But there were definitely games throughout the season where I would look around and I'd say, Tuesday night against the Kings. Why are this many people watching the Magic play? Why are this many people inside the Amway Center? So the Magic are moving tickets, whether it's because they're they're selling them for cheap, whether they're giving them away. Who knows? To me, though, that does signal that there is interest in this team that if the team does turn the corner eventually, which they will eventually, if the team does give fans a reason to show up besides watching Russell Westbrook or whoever else is in that night, fans will show up. Fans will watch. I see it online a lot. I feel like fans want to be engaged. Whether they are engaged, whether the Magic are engaging them properly, that is another question, and that is something that I think the Magic are are still figuring out and still trying to get the most out of as uh, as they continue to move on. And of course, their on-court product matters most. With TV ratings especially, on-court product matters most. And right now, the on-court product is not good, so it's not surprising to see the Magic slip, so to speak, uh, with with their TV ratings this year. So uh, not encouraging number there from the Sports Business Journal uh, that the Magic's TV ratings uh, came in so low. Uh, I didn't, I'm not totally surprised that they were the second worst in the league, um, but uh, definitely not not a good sign, but but not surprising nonetheless. Let's move into today's player evaluations. We're continuing our player evaluation series as uh, we wrap up the 2018 season, begin looking ahead to the to the 2018 draft, which will be coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, but we want to make sure that we give everyone their fair due. We've we've given them time to rest, given some time to to really think about the season, and come up with some final evaluations. And so today we're going to talk about the centers. About the big men, uh, probably the more most controversial, most hotly debated, most frustrating group of players uh, on the Magic's roster. I'm going to save Ken Birch for another day. Today, we're going to talk mostly about Nikola Vucevic and Bismack Biombo. Within those two players, that is $29.5 million committed. $29.5 million, nearly 30% of the Orlando Magic's cap space in these two players. Two players that the Magic expect a big impact from. But unfortunately, don't always get the impact they need. As I've reviewed these players, as 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 or as we've reviewed these players on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, this an interesting debate has come up. One that that I would fully acknowledge is is the right way to think about these things. Nikola Vucevic, especially, does a lot of really good things. And I think even his critics can agree 
that he does some good things for this team, that he is not a bad player. The problem is relying on him to be a starter. The problem is having him be that anchor defensively, which he is certainly not. What the modern NBA asks of its center is very different than the skill set that Vucevic possesses. Yet, Vucevic is undoubtedly, and I think this is very clear, at his best, and even at his, not at his best, at his consistent, he is the best center option on the team. So, if you're the Magic, how do you reckon with this? If you're the Magic, how do you get the most out of a player who clearly has a ceiling, who clearly somewhat limits what you can do. And that's been the question that's haunted the Magic for now six seasons. Nikola Vucevic should not have a bad season by any stretch of the imagination. 16.5 points per game, 9.2 rebounds per game, 47.5% shooting, 51.3% effective field goal percentage, added a three-pointer to his game, only shot 31.4%, but... Continued improvement at the three-point line would suggest that he can continue to get better there. 3.4 assists per game. Ranks him among the best passing centers in the entire league. Vucevic is an extremely skilled offensive player. No one denies that. He can put up big games, put up big numbers on the offensive side of the ball. Could he work the post a little bit more? Sure. Does he rely on his jumper a little bit too much? Sure. He he added a three-pointer, but he never fell in love with it. He still stuck to, to what he was good at. He would pop out for three occasionally, but if he didn't have it, he'd pop out to where he was comfortable shooting the ball. So he remained relatively effective throughout the season. But still the problem remains. Kind of like with Alfred Payton, he didn't lift his team up to a higher level. And a lot of that was because of his defense, not because of his offense. Granted, the Magic, between Vucevic and Biombo, the Magic were better defensively with Vucevic on the floor. But Vucevic still posted some of his worst defensive numbers of, the, of his career. According to Second Spectrum, which does the player tracking for the NBA... Vucevic gave up 61.4% field goal percentage at the rim. 61.4% defensive field goal percentage at the rim. That was the worst mark of his career, or at least the worst mark since the NBA started tracking this statistic. This came after some steady growth to at least be average or at least a slightly below average. This number, giving up 61% shooting at the rim, shows that he is not affecting shots at all around the basket. And that has always been Vucevic's Achilles heel. He's not going to be able to, to, to blow up teams defensively. He fits Vogel's defense, he fit Vogel's defensive style a little bit, in that he kind of laid back to, to catch players. Vogel had a very conservative defensive style, but guards still attacked them. He wasn't a wall sealing off the paint. Defenders knew, or offensive players knew 
they could attack him and get to the basket, and he wasn't going to be able to stop them or keep them in front of him. That continues to be a major problem for the Magic's defense. And after he came back from his injury after the All-Star break, while it was good to have Vucevic on the floor and while he still had some good moments and good games, it felt like whatever defensive gains, whatever defensive timing he had, he lost. And the, the Magic's defense was pretty bad for a good chunk of the season with him in there. I think Zach Lowe of ESPN.com put it best uh, at a certain point in the season. When Nikola Vucevic is playing at 100% of his defensive capabilities, when he is sharp defensively, he is an average defender. He is perfectly passable and can do all the things that the Magic need him to do within their scheme, within his limitations. But you drop that down to 90% or even 80% of his defensive capabilities and he becomes a sieve. That is hard to scheme around. It's always been hard to scheme around. And so while there should be and there is appreciation for everything that Nikola Vucevic has done for this team, and there should be, he's been a very good player, and while I wouldn't put him in the, in the pantheon, and, and you know if we get down to it, Nikola Vucevic is probably on the borderline of the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. Mostly from longevity, but he's put up he's put up memorable moments. He's been a leading scorer. He's he's been a major part of this franchise for six years. But I thought Zach Palmer said it best when he wrote the evaluation. This is the Nikola Vucevic era of Magic basketball. He was the guy that Rob Hennigan brought in really as the centerpiece of the Dwight Howard trade. Say what you want about it. And he has come to define a failed state of this franchise. Is there a way to move Vucevic to the bench and really unlock the role that he's probably best suited on for a winning team with this Magic roster as currently presented? No. Could it be done if the Magic do draft a center or get a better center? I'm skeptical. Vucevic did not seem to take acquiring Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo well. And it just leads to this inescapable conclusion that as good as Vucevic has been and as important as Vucevic has been for this franchise, it feels like it's time to move on. It's time to turn the page and reset that position again. It's unfortunate to say that. I agree. I think there are Vucevic supporters and, and I think a lot of people appreciate that for the most part he's played with effort and for the most part, he has done what's been asked of him. But unfortunately, that ceiling has always been too low. The ceiling that he has put on this team has always been something that they could not get past. And so honestly, as I look ahead to this offseason... And I hate saying this because I love the guy. I still owe him a Star Wars conversation about Last Jedi. It feels like it's time to move on. And I think task one for Jeff Weltman this summer is to trade Nikola Vucevic. 
It's not that Vucevic had a bad season. Individually, he had a great season. But, like so much else with this roster, it's just not good enough. And so now that we're facing a summer of change, change has to happen. A guy that'll be a little bit more difficult to move and a little bit more difficult to change is Bismack Biombo. He is another player who really had his struggles throughout the season. Uh, as much as you want to say, you know, it, the, the contract with Bismack Biombo is not something you can escape. $17 million a year for Bismack Biombo is an overpay. He is overpaid. Say it. Just, just keep saying it. It's true. We acknowledge it. Let's move on and let's talk about what Bismack Biombo actually did on the court. Because that part is still hard to figure. By all kind of individual indexes, Biombo was as good as he usually is. You know, decent block rate, I think it was 5%. A little bit more than 5%, which is about his career average. Um, You know, good rim protector. The rim protection numbers are good. But at the same time, his other stats were not good. The Magic's defense was worse with Biombo on the floor, even with the starting unit. He made an impact, but... Not a consistent one. Because, of course, his, the offense is a drain when he's out there. The question, of course, goes out to, well, is this a matter of Biombo having to play with a lot of bench units where the spacing's not great and, and, and he doesn't help that? Is it a matter of the roster being a poor fit around him? Or is it a matter of Biombo just not able to recapture what worked in Toronto. He was in a perfect situation in Toronto where he shined and the Magic just cannot recreate that. It's a mix of all three, of course. The bench for the Magic wasn't fantastic this year. Better than last year, but wasn't fantastic. There weren't good defensive lineups around him. There weren't good shooters around him to give him space to roll, uh, meaning that when he was out there, he simply clogged the paint. There just wasn't a lot for Biombo to work with. And on top of all this, for some odd reason, Biombo fell in love with his jump shot. And he took a lot more jumpers than he had before, and that led to a lower field goal percentage and a lower scoring output. The You know, a, a very low scoring output. Lower than you would expect from him. I don't think Biombo is as bad of a player as some fans would like to think. Yes, he any anything you get from him offensively is a bonus. He's still a good defensive player. Maybe jumps for blocks a little too much and gets himself out of position trying to go for blocks. But he still makes some incredible block shots. And when the Magic are really at their best sometimes... It's because of the energy that Biombo brings on the defensive end. Yet, at various points throughout the season, we were talking about starting about playing Kem Birch over him. We were talking as if Biombo wasn't the answer, and that the only reason he was playing was because of that big contract. 
Biombo's not going anywhere. Let's make that clear. The only trade that the Magic really found for Bismack Biombo was for Joachim Noah. Noah A doesn't play. He's hurt. And B, his contract is worse than Biombo's. Biombo now has two years left on his deal. And it just feels like the Magic are just going to have to sit tight and ride it out. Probably fits their timeline at this point anyway. Within two years, you hope you're ready to, to go after free agents again. Maybe not at $17 million a season. It's hard to point to what Biombo did really well fully, if that makes sense. Like, we can say, yeah, he did some good things defensively, yet the statistics show that the Magic were somehow worse defensively with him on the floor. It was hard to pinpoint exactly how to get the most effectiveness from Bismack Biombo, and, and two years in, it feels like we're still figuring that out. There is an effective player in there. We know that. He's good enough to be effective. Certainly, that salary and that contract creates different expectations and different conversations among fans, as it should. Someone getting paid that much should be held to a higher standard. But again, let's start from that spot of Bismack Biombo's overpaid. He is not a $17 million a year player. God bless him for getting it. No one's blaming him for it. But that is not his value. What's really important for the Magic moving forward, especially if they're not going to be able to get rid of him, what's really important is figuring out how to get the most out of him. Figuring out the lineups that work best for him. Or be willing to play him when the lineups work, when they make sense, when he's playing well, or bench him when he's not. And that decision might be a little bit harder. When you take the camera back and look at the Magic Center position, you just see two guys who are imperfect, who are flawed in very serious ways. And those flaws hurt the team or hurt the roster that the Magic currently have. They're not players who currently fit who the Magic are. And of course, that means the team is going to struggle because center is so important in today's NBA. Not for the offensive, not for the post-game stuff, but for defense. For being able to switch and use size and length to protect the rim. That's something Vucevic can't do, and that's not something that Biombo doesn't do well enough. This is a center-heavy draft. I think a lot of us are focused on the centers. You know, Mo Bamba, Jared Jackson, uh, DeAndre Ayton. So there's the opportunity that the Magic do find someone who can play center defensively a little bit better. And that really might be the direction the team goes. It's clear that, like point guard that I talked about yesterday, this position is ripe for a little bit of change, to, to be mixed up. It's been the same for so long that it feels like it needs a new direction. And of course, that's what we'll see happen this summer. 
I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. And of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore MD. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. Be sure to check out as well LockedOnMagic.com uh, for, uh, for more stuff. I'll be po- posting hopefully a little bit more on there soon as well. Uh, you can, of course, uh, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. The Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag is currently open. I'm looking for your questions. I'll hopefully answer them before the NBA Draft Lottery. So be sure to send them to me. You can send them to me on Twitter at OmagicDaily. You can also email them to me at OmagicDaily at gmail.com. That's the best way to get in touch with the show. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including a detailed scouting report on Mohamed Bamba from our Ricky Skrika, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com as well as follow us on Twitter at OmagicDaily. That's going to do it for me today. There's going to be no episode of Locked on Magic tomorrow. I'm going to take tomorrow off. I, like I said, I'm going to maybe take a few days off here and there. Um, I'll be taking a good chunk of next week off as well. Uh, so we'll still be talking about some Magic issues. We'll ramp back up again closer to the draft, closer to the draft, especially around the draft lottery. But no episode of Locked on Magic tomorrow. I'll see you all Friday for another episode of Locked on Magic. So for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, thank you all again for listening. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.